0: All managing is, is managing someone else's expectations and their desire not to do what they have to do. Do you really want to be in charge of managing other people to do those things? Because there's no real course for management. They say there is, but there isn't.
1: Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building welcome Sasha to the Building Doors podcast. I'm going to tell the audience a little bit about you and your really interesting history. So Sasha Cornford is the current director and owner of traffic control for Queensland and New South Wales. She is a single mum who became a parent at the age of 22 and opened her first business at the age of 22. After meeting her husband, she also worked in his business and had a further four children, two of her own and two that she adopted. And she then also decided to become a mature age electrician. (laughs) <laughs> Sasha had a life-changing moment on the road where she witnessed quite a terrible accident and after a role in practice management in medical, she followed that by a career in traffic management and sales. While working at Traffquip, Sasha was divorced after 18 years and then bought a business with Carly, her current business partner, when the previous owners of that business decided to retract due to ill health. They opened their second depot in Townsville in the first two years of opening and now opened another two satellite locations with 170 staff and almost 100 vehicles. Sasha now runs a household of four children and a thriving and growing business with her business partner, Carly. Welcome. Wow. What an interesting background. When I was looking at this last night, I was like, you've just covered so much. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about your journey and some of the pivotal moments that led you to opening and
0: running the business that you have today. Pivotal moments. Pivotal moments mostly came with the people that I was around. My first partner always wanted to be an entrepreneur. When I met him, he had the rights to Guarana Mm -hmm. in Australia. Mm -hmm. So he was an entrepreneur. So he was always doing mad things. And they were always short-term businesses. So that was interesting. That was an interesting start into what... Businesses look like. Mm. So it wasn't the traditional, I've opened up a business, this is going to be my business for life. It was always short term businesses. So Mm -hmm. I didn't come at it the way that I guess most people do, where it's, I'm going to open up a business, this is my life. Yes. It was very much, there's an opportunity. So he was based in tech. Mm. So that was one business. And then we opened up a business that hard drive external hard drives to the advertising industry. Mm -hmm. And then we would go around once a month and take that hard drive away, swap it with another, and then we would burn the data that was on the hard drive to CD. Mm -hmm. And this was when blank CDs were $99 each. Mm. But we knew that was a short-term business. So Mm. we knew the cost of CDs would come down. This was also when burning a CD meant that you would set it to burn and then you would back away really slowly from it because (laughs) it was really tough to get them to actually burn without errors. But it was really (laughs) profitable. But we knew it was really profitable, but for a short period. Yes, The technology would become more easy to navigate, blah, blah, blah. But in the meantime, every advertising agency was like, this is incredible. We're not having to hold on to like massive files all over the place or delete them or lose them or whatever. So I guess my headspace for businesses is not about this is my baby. Hmm. It's just business.
1: How do you approach it when you're opening different businesses? I heard someone once say that it's like a bit of a game with business when you're opening a business, but I'm keen to see what mindset do you look at when you're looking at a business because at 22 is quite young to go, I
0: want to open a business. So that partner was really, really a true entrepreneur in the the sense that his thought process was completely unrealistic. Tell me more. (laughs) So he didn't live in the real world. I mean, he could see opportunity everywhere, the nuts and bolts of, I mean, he could work out how to get from A to B. He was an absolute instigator. He had no ability to follow through. So for most of my life, I've been somebody who's done the follow through. So I've been like a PA. Yes. So I'm used to that role and I can certainly instigate and I can lead. Mm. But at that particular part of my life, I was very much the person who ran behind going, okay, you started this. Mm. Now let me work out how to actually make this thing have legs and follow on.
2: Mm.
0: He would look at it, see an opportunity, work out how to make it at least work in the first five minutes. Yeah. And then he'd get bored.
1: And so he'd almost come up with this direction and vision, but then he couldn't see it through. And that's where you came in. Yeah. Has that changed? What about now? So like many, many years on, you mm-hmm. have a business now. Mm-hmm. What do you feel your part is in the business now?
0: Now I'm that person with no follow through. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what have I
0: become? <laughs> so I have a life partner who has a business that he's had for 27 years yes. and it is not his baby but it's certainly he is a love-hate thing that goes on with him because it's like I'm tied to it but it's also it's my thing it's my business. I don't have those same feelings about my business. It's like, it's, I enjoy watching it grow. I'm really committed to it, but I don't have that mindset about business. How would you describe your mindset about business? It's a vehicle. It's a vehicle. Tell me more. Vehicle for what? for moving you or your team. or So, I like traffic control. It has components and you can move it up and down. It's not clunky. It has a short sales cycle. It suits me Mm. really, really well. My partner's business, I look at his and it wouldn't suit me. So, traffic management suits me and my personality type very, very well. So, not any business will suit anyone. I could see that some people would look at a business and they would say the money is there and so I would do that. Mm. I wouldn't, for example, buy a construction business. The sales cycle is too long. I would get bored. (laughs) It's like a two-year sales cycle. There's no way I could function with a two-year sales cycle. (laughs) I would lose my mind, lose interest. I would do. Yeah, yeah, see? So I actually analyse all of that and go, no, the way that business operates and and the things that that business requires are far. It wouldn't matter how much money was involved in it. I'd get bored and move on. I'm spoiled. <laughs> I also think, though, you're incredibly self aware because you've got to know yourself enough to know what business you're going to be able to successfully run. Right? And that's the joy of being 50. Everyone says to me, Oh, you know, how is it getting older? And I'm like, I wouldn't be 20 for anything. Like, it's absolutely a sliding scale. Like, as your body is no longer 20, your brain gets better, your confidence, and it's not just self confidence it's self-awareness and it's self-knowledge as well. So as some things shift down, other things shift up and it just keeps going. So as you lose on one hand, you gain on the other. And so like from your twenties to your thirties, to your forties, to your fifties, it just gets better. So I wouldn't swap being 50, maybe 45, 45 (laughs) may have been the peak. I really loved being like mid (laughs) forties. It's great. It's awesome. But It's the ability to actually know yourself. And that's, I think, the problem with in your 20s. Your 30s are definitely better. You know yourself a bit more. Your 40s are just extraordinary. Yeah. If you're not having fun in your 40s, you need to stop and really address (laughs) what you're doing wrong because you should be. So that's the time I think women and men should really address that they're not doing it right. Yeah. Because your 40s, your body should still be functioning pretty well. Yeah. And you should be having fun. You should be your peak confidence and being able to still move around and do things and, you know, jump around.
1: I love your mindset around you just know yourself more because you do. As you, you kind of know what you're good at, you know what businesses, you've done a few businesses leading up to where you are now and you're like, this, this sales cycle suits me. This is the
0: right fit for me. Yeah. If you have a job at that point, you know, do I actually want to do management? Do I actually want to get rid of some responsibility. Mm. Like, where do I actually want to be? I have a situation at work that goes on that everybody wants to push up into management. And it's like, do you really, though? Like, management is not this word. So everybody thinks, you know, management, and it means And they can't even really define it. And I go, management is management of people, management of other people. So you think about managing yourself, managing yourself to get out of bed, managing your own behavior, your own mindset to do things. So sometimes it's really hard to manage, are you going to do your too hard basket? Mm. Yeah. Now you've got to manage two, three, four other people to do the stuff they don't want to do. All (laughs) managing is is managing someone else's expectations and their desire not to do what they have to do. Do you really want to be in charge of managing other people to do those things? Mm. And they go, oh. And I go, because there's no real course for management. They say there is, but there isn't. So either you've got a skill set for managing people and managing to push them around a dance floor.
2: Mm.
0: So I have it, but you pretty much... It's inherent. Mm. You can work out, okay, if I push you that way, you should go that way. Let's try it. No, you didn't. Well, that makes you interesting. Let me let me start pushing your buttons and see what happens. Mm. If you don't enjoy doing that,
2: mm.
0: you're not going to enjoy being a manager. You're mm. just going to get really angry and frustrated and start, like, throwing things. That's not going to work. You're not going to enjoy being a manager. So do you really want to be? And we, mm. we had that situation at work, and I said, you're enjoying managing other people because it's not just taking the money and barking out orders, you've actually got to get the results too out of the person underneath you because you're managing their workflow.
2: Yeah.
0: And they went, no. I went, well, maybe that's not the role for you. It Mm. doesn't mean that I can't push you up to have more responsibility for the work that you're doing. Mm. It just means you're not going to manage a team underneath you because Mm. do you really want to? Mm. And they went, no, I don't want to. So that's the thing. By the time you're 40, 50, you can say, I don't want to manage other people. I don't like other people. Actually, I'm antisocial. I've realised now I'm really antisocial. The last thing I want to do is have a talk to Jane about, you know, (laughs) why isn't she performing and her kids aren't great and her dog died and I don't want to. I don't don't care. I want to sit in my corner and I'd just, i like to earn $10,000 more, $20,000 more but I'd like to take on a slightly different role. Great, fantastic.
1: It's so important that you covered that because I feel like you've hit the nail on the head with something that a lot of people and I think society leads us towards the next step for people, the next transition is I become a manager. Yeah. But not everybody enjoys that. I personally love teaching other people and seeing other people get lit up. Yep. But then the other thing that can sometimes happen is those people that really want to be a manager, if they're really great at your, their job, you can get stuck in your job yep. and not get that opportunity as well. And on the other side, there might be somebody that's, I used to have a saying, you can promote people to their level of incompetence right? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, and then get rid of them. Yeah, because, because <laughs> that's not, what I do.
1: But they might not be a manager, right? So, they get yeah. promoted because, you know, they're very good at their job and then maybe they don't love dealing with people and they don't want to hear about a person's personal problems and they can't drive them or coach yeah. them to to perform. So, reward
0: them. Reward them for being really, really good. Mm. As a business owner, if someone's got a role and they're really, really good at what they do, like unbelievably good, but their role is capped. Pay more. Pay more. Yeah.
1: Like if they're really good at it. I see it all the time. They do it. Clever companies do it. And then you you can't headhunt people out of there. No. (laughs) Because they've capped that. That's a valuable employee. And they've capped the
0: salary to that level so that they they can. Yeah. And if you pay them more than that salary cap, Mm. what are they going to do? And even if they go and they take that role somewhere, they take the management role somewhere else, it's not in their skill set. It just means everyone struggles. And we've just, we've convinced everyone that this is the next roll up. Mm. And it's just not true. Mm. It's horrible. If you're not someone who enjoys working out how to push people to do what you want them to do, how to back them into a corner, put them in a box, do whatever it is, if you're not someone who enjoys doing that, you put someone in that role and you force that to be their major role, it's awful for them. It's awful for the people under them because all they do is they resort to pushing harder without Mm. actually thinking about how to get the result. Mm. They don't have the skills. So, no, I like it. So, this podcast is all around building doors and it's all around
1: creating opportunities, but the opportunity that somebody wants to create for their life is very different depending on what what motivates you and what you want out of life. So, looking back on your life, you've built many doors, (laughs) you know, mature age electrician starting a traffic control company. Tell us about some of the doors you've been able to build for yourself in your career
0: and how you get the mindset to do that. Bloody mindedness a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy, but it doesn't take all of your focus. So becoming a mature age electrician 20 years ago was not easy. So I did the pre-vocation, mm-hmm. pre-vocational thing. Pippi, who's my youngest child, was six months old. Wow. So that was hard work. So I remember when I went to the sign-up, mm. all the kids were on holidays. I think all the kids, were, other kids were in primary school. So they were sitting outside. So I had three kids sitting outside while I was going in and doing the literacy and numeracy thing. And they were looking after the baby and I was running in and out and in (laughs) and out. Yep. And then and my husband at that time was off in Africa following his dream, so that was glorious. So that was fun. (laughs) So we did all of that and I got into it and I was doing the course and the course wasn't easy. I hadn't done math in ages and it hadn't occurred to me. So this is going to sound really dumb, but it hadn't occurred to me that being an electrician required a whole lot of math and especially not engineering math at some point. Mm. So when I went into the first actual class, the teacher there, who was a really good teacher, said, what are your math skills like? And I went, they're okay. And he went, did you actually do all of the testing out? Did they actually give you test scores back? And I said, no. And they said, he said, right, it's because you're a mature age woman. You're fitting the demographics Okay. That, that's, you're a great score for TAFE. Okay. And I was. Yeah. So mature age, woman. Yeah. Great. And he said, but you're really going to struggle with the math. Now, my dad's an engineer. My grandfather was actually a mathematician. Mm. And I'm like, well, I can do this. Mm. Yeah. With an enormous amount of help. Like yeah. an enormous amount of help. I mean, I can remember ringing both my husband and my dad and screaming at them about this (laughs) this question, like both of them. So one call was to Africa, the other call was to the UK, screaming at them about this problem. And it was actually just, by then I got my knickers in such a knot, it was actually just changing like kilometres to metres and it was like the simplest thing, but I was so full of algebra and stuff like I just couldn't even see that. They were just saying "Just, just change these around to simple, the lower. Yeah. Anyway, so I lost it. I completely lost it. So I got through that and then it was time to find an apprenticeship. And QBuild had two apprenticeships for four people and I put in for it and at the end of it I came third. So two guys got it ahead of me and I asked them for feedback about why and they said, you didn't finish grade 12. And I said, well, hold on, I'm mature age. Hmm. So if I'm mature age, it should be that you automatically ticked grade 12 and Hmm. then it would have gone through your computer system Mm. as they said if that had happened, you would have actually been the first for it. Mm. And I said, well, these two guys are 17 and they will get an apprenticeship anywhere. I'm mature age and I'm a woman and it's much harder for me and it would have been much better for the government to have given Mm. me a shot at this. Mm. And they went, true, if you still haven't found an apprenticeship next year, please apply again and we'll change this system, we'll actually look at changing this system. Mm. So that was a good result. But I found an apprenticeship privately in the meantime. Mm. And it was actually my electrician, actually, who I'd done work placement with. And he um, gave me an apprenticeship. Awesome. So that was pretty cool. Yes. That apprenticeship involved sewage plants, battery chicken farms. It was not a cruisy apprenticeship. It was really stinky. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't domestic. Was it more industrial? So? Uh, it was both. Yeah, it okay. was both. It involved downlights. It had just become a thing. Downlights mm-hmm. in your eaves. You yeah. know how everyone wanted those? Yeah. Yes, that involved a that lot of trendy. insulation. It was really hot. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard to get it. It involved telling everyone that I knew that I was looking for an electrical an- apprenticeship. Mm. And that's how it happened. Yeah. So like I say, if you're looking for something tell everyone. Mm. The people who are really successful in multi-level marketing, they just follow the steps, mm. right? So intelligent people aren't successful in multi-level marketing mm. because they go, that's embarrassing. I'm not going to do that. That's not going to work. I'm not going to do that. Mm. The people who are really good at it don't think. Mm. So there's 10 steps and they just, they go, I have to tell all my friends. So they tell all their friends. You've got to stop overthinking mm. and deciding what you will and won't do. Just tell everyone, mm. hey, I'm looking for an opportunity. Hey, I'm looking for a new job. Mm. Hey, I'm not sure whether I'm really being paid the right amount in my area. Hey, I'm not sure about my superannuation. Whatever it is, mm. start talking to people. Get other people's opinions. If you're just working blind, you're not going to have all the information. Sometimes you get the wrong information, but mm. if you're getting three or four or five people's opinions, you'll start to see a trend.
1: I think as well it's about being courageous and not not waiting for something to come to you because it just won't. no you've got to be having those conversations. And I don't know about you, but I've got to the age now, I don't have any shame. No. I don't feel embarrassed. Once you've had a couple of babies, there's no shame. (laughs) I think it is having children that makes you go, you know what, I've had kids, there's nothing I haven't done. I had spaghetti
0: spilled all over me. I've had chocolate milk thrown through the middle of a food court. And you've got to have a couple of failures. You've got to have a couple of things where someone says, actually, the presentation that you gave was just not up to par and other people are doing so much better than you and you're thinking, can you show me their presentation? No, that wouldn't be appropriate. Well, okay, I, then I have no idea how to lift it up, right? I, like I'm flying blind. What on earth is going on here? What is someone else doing that's so much better than me? I've mm. got no clue. You've got to have a couple of those knocks and then realise and then go into another meeting thinking, I'm just trash. <laughs> this whole thing is just, it's just awful. And you go to the next one and they go, you're outstanding. We're going to put you on. Here's one of my favorite things, and I said this to a mate of mine who runs a Car Yard. He was saying, I don't know how to motivate my sales team and get them to understand whatever it was. And I said, here's the deal. When you walk into a sales room like a Car Yard and someone doesn't acknowledge you within the first five, six seconds, right? I said, if it's me, I assume you're not acknowledging me because I'm a woman or because I'm 50 and because I've become invisible, not me because I'm so loud no one <laughs> no one can't see me but whatever right but most women most women my age if you don't acknowledge me in a car sales yard it's because I'm a woman or because I'm over the age of 50 i said if it's a short man it's because I'm short if it's an older person it's because I'm too old if it's someone who's broke it's because I'm broke wow. none of these things are true it's because yeah. you're actually on the phone and you're doing something but everyone's insecurity comes to the foreground and it's because I'm whatever none of this is true but people's insecurities push forward all the time. Mm. So you have to remember that the reason why you may not get something she has nothing to do with your insecurity, and we put our insecurities first. Mm. So the reason why I wouldn't have gotten an apprenticeship in my head back then would always have been because I'm a woman. Not necessarily. Mm. Maybe because the work that they had was not appropriate for a woman, which is fair enough. Most of their work was in a male prison or wherever. I actually got the job mostly because a lot of their work was in residential rental properties Mm. and the guys were really concerned because a couple of times they'd gone and they'd been hit on Mm. by the renters and they said, we'd really like it if Sash was there. Yeah. So it actually was the opposite. Yeah. I actually got it because one of the guys, and he was very attractive. I can understand why. (laughs) He was really very pretty. Um, He'd been hit on and he was really like, yeah. It would be really good if Sash was
1: there. I'd be really uncomfortable going into someone's house constantly and getting hit on. Yeah. You know, trying to put some lights in yeah. or something like that. Absolutely. So, yeah. So actually I was there as <laughs> as the pit bull. To did go. you
0: ever have this instance where he did get hit on and you had to intervene? No, because I think me being there, they would ah. they just assumed that we were like boyfriend and girlfriend. <gasps> oh how's that? He actually had been married since they were like sixteen. Like they both got married in Italy oh. and then came over here. But it was really funny. It was really like you Gotta remember you get jobs because of the thing that you think is the thing that's stopping you. Sometimes you don't. Like sometimes Mm. we don't get a look-in for a job because of the old boy network. Sometimes I get the meeting because I'm a woman and the guy hasn't seen a woman in five years. (laughs) Doesn't mean we get the job though, right? Those guys for the old boy network, they don't get the job because of the old boy network. They just get in the door. Mm. I don't get the job because I'm a woman. No one's taking on traffic control because I'm a woman. Mm. I've still got to prove myself. Yes. So, you know, you just got to take the good with the bad. So tell us a
1: little bit about what you've learned. I just feel like having two kids and obviously adopting two children as well and having four children, I still feel like there is so much learned from becoming a parent and managing a household that carries on into business, that those skills you gain there are really, really valuable because I know plenty of single mums that are business owners and they can manage everything and manage all the work like Better than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> so that's people management. That's yeah. where you get your people management skills in. So tell us more about the journey you've had as a parent and owning businesses then. So
0: how have you managed to juggle it all? Badly. <laughs> Badly. It's just bad. No one's no one's doing it all. And if they are, you're seeing them the day that they've just come out of the hairdresser and they've just had their manicure <laughs> and you won't see them again for another six weeks. <laughs> wink week <laughs> yeah that's not true it's not true right whenever you see someone who they are going home and they are collapsing and they are crying anyone who looks like they've got it all together that's that hour that's not all the time no I mean I know people who their husband has walked out they always look immaculate they have a job they have kids in high school they look immaculate their husband walked out on them two years ago no one knew oh because that's how important the facade is that's not how I operate yeah. And I don't think it's fair on women. It's like when people say to me, you know, you look great for 50. Mm-hmm, I do. I've had a facelift. I have had Botox. I've mm. had filler. No one knows what I would look like, At least of all me, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> I'm blonde because I've gone grey. It's not fair on other women. To men is okay. Yep, you can pretend I'm natural if you like. That, that's great. <laughs> fantastic. You go for it. But it's not fair on other women yeah. for me to pretend like, no, 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 I woke up like this. You know what I do? I, I drink green tea and I centre myself. <laughs> It's very centered. And I take deep breaths in through my nose, out through my mouth. Bollocks. No. Uh uh-uh. uh.
1: I drink green tea and I'm centered. No. It's not, the not. To everything for me today. I'm just
0: green, drink green drink tea I'm tea centered. And I'm centered. You just center yourself really hard. Like, you too can look like this. No. Uh uh-uh. uh you're hurtling from one thing to another. What we do is we have rules in the business. So between end of financial and September, everybody has to take time off Yeah. because from September to December mm. is manic in construction. Yeah. You have to take your breaks where you can. We all have many nervous breakdowns throughout the year and we're careful about it. And we say, you look like you're having a nervous breakdown. You need to go now. And we actually pay for them to go and have holidays. Mm. And Carly and I try to notice when each other are and say, see you later. Mm. It doesn't matter what's going on now. We're very fortunate, though, that we're in this position now because we've been in jobs where obviously you just crack up and fall apart and you have to fall apart at home. Mm. Try to have the balance. Mm. Nothing that you are doing is worse. And I've had two proper nervous breakdowns Mm. where I've actually had to take time off work. Mm. It hasn't worked for the family finances. Mm. It's been really hard. I've had to go into part-time work. Mm. It's taken years to put build back confidence.
2: Mm.
0: It's not worth it. Mm. It's really not worth it. Catch it beforehand.
2: Mm.
0: It's really hard. It's really hard. Four kids is too many. <laughs> Are you, <laughs> you all listening? If you've got three, <laughs> stop now. Find the remote control. <laughs> the fourth is just... <laughs> Just overload. You're completely outnumbered. <laughs> but if you can feel that you're starting and if you keep just pushing down what your body's telling you, absolutely, like, take a break. It doesn't matter how much you think you can't afford it. You really can't afford a nervous breakdown. Yes. Yeah? It's yeah. It, They're horrible. From what I can make out, it takes a year and about two months mm. for you to heal. It's exactly like a broken bone. Mm. It takes your brain a certain amount of time to start pulling itself back together, and it's about a year and two months.
2: Mm.
1: And one of the things I loved about chatting with you is you're honest, you're so honest. And I feel like social media has got a lot to answer for and the way that we use social media in what we see of people's lives. Mm. We are only seeing, there's filters. There's there's so much now. Before there used to be Photoshop for magazines to use, but now we can put our own filters on our lives. So people are seeing things and it's like, it's all through a filter. What can we do? I feel, as women but as people, to be more real. And how important do you think that is for people that might be in your, I guess, situation where you were, where you're feeling like, you know, you have to try and have it all and it's not possible?
0: This is where you have to work out what success looks like to you. Hmm. Like really, really stop looking at what your neighbours are doing. Stop looking at what your best friend is doing. Stop looking at what your parents are telling you success is What is a successful life for you? Mm. Is it really having what everyone else has? Mm. So my eldest daughter, success for her is not an amazing job. Success for her is being a mum. Now, that might change Mm. when she's 40 or 50, but right now success for her is being a stay-at-home mum. That's her success. And that's absolutely fine. We need to stop saying that everybody needs to do everything. Mm because it's just not feasible and it's not what everyone wants. Mm. So we look at a very few people and we don't understand how many things they have behind them. So, I mean, some of the women that are doing everything, they have a husband who's also very successful and they have au pairs and nannies and this and that. But we don't see that. No. Because that's their back of house. Mm. If you don't have all of that, so you guys are doing it on an $80,000 income mm. and the wife is earning fifty dollars or $60,000, there's not enough money there for a nanny. No. So you have to really understand what you want. Mm. It's not about what everyone else says you want. Yeah. The whole point of this is about choice. Mm. You have to make your own choices. You have to decide what makes you happy. Yes. So the group doesn't get to choose mm. what you get to do with you, you have one. All evidence points to you have one. At the very least, you're only going to remember this one. You only know about this one now, Mm. so make it count. Mm. Pick what you want to do. If you change your mind, that's fine. Change your mind when you change your mind and start moving towards something different. God knows you can Mm. because I'm evidence of it. (laughs) Yes. But right now, work out what you want and what's going to make you happy now and do that. Mm. Don't try and do it all. No No. one can. Yeah. I think that's important
1: for people that are listening as well because – you don't see, I love that you said, you don't see the people's back of house. No. And not many people will share that with you, but gosh, when you find people that will, that you've got that tribe around you and you can be open and just yeah. say, oh, I've had a really bad day and everything, this is everything
0: that's happened. But the work out what success means. That applies to men as well. Absolutely. But men, men and women are different. Women have to start supporting each other mm-hmm. and really celebrating each other's successes. Men need to be more open to saying what they actually really want out of life instead of just climbing up and just going and doing whatever. Mm. Like, I'll I'll just keep doing the job. So the number of men that I know who hit 40 and 50 and they've worked since they were 18 Mm. and they've never even considered, do they like it? Yeah. Do you like it though? (laughs) Do you? Do you like your job? (laughs) Yeah. Or the number that come out of university and they trained at uni and they've just done that job ever since Mm. and they actually hate it. But they trained for it at uni. They made that choice when they were 17. Mm. And they've done it ever since. It's never occurred to them that they hate their job, mm. but maybe they could do something else.
1: Yeah. One of the things I found really interesting, one of the previous guests was talking about the fact, and I was keen to chat with you about it, that the chat, they, they say that with workplace incidents in construction, you're six times more likely to have a physiological, so rather than a psychological illness in construction, than a workplace incident on site. So they're saying that. One of the guests I was speaking to was saying that mental health in construction is a real challenge. And I just know that you work, you're in and around sites all the time. And this lady that I was speaking to is obviously they're trying to do things like trialling a five-day working week and all sorts of initiatives to try and create a bit of balance. How do you feel
0: that the work-life balance is at the moment in the industry? Are you talking about up in the office or are you talking about out on the road? I'm talking about out on the road. So out on the road – our guys get to say whether they want the job or not. Mm. So they get to manage their own workload. So that's not really an issue for them, although coming to this time of year, everyone is pushing is so hard. Yeah. So we have the Building and Construction Award that says that they can't do more than 10 days straight yep. before they go into double time for any any other shifts that they do. Yep. So it always amuses me that fatigue and all those sorts of rules are not actually workplace health and safety rules. They're actually payroll rules.
1: Oh, Okay.
0: So <laughs> because that works better. Oh, right. So the Australian government aren't stupid. Yeah. So everyone always goes, I want to find the fatigue rule. I've looked all through the building and construction award. I've looked through workplace health and safety. I can't find it. And I go, it's because yeah. you're not looking in the payroll.
2: Mm.
0: That's that's where that actually is. It, it's in the pay rates. It's not, yeah, it doesn't appear anywhere apart from in, in your pay rates. Mm. That's where it, it is because it's got to hit us where it hurts. Yeah. I think there's a lot of... Discussion at the moment about mental health. Yes. I'm not sure how we are supposed to combat it, if I'm honest. There's a lot of discussion around support in the workplace. Hmm. So that's the word that's used a lot. There's a lot of noise from the CFMEU at the moment about support in the workplace, mental yeah. health support. Yeah. There's a lot of movement one way, there's not a lot of movement the other way for how a business that isn't massive Mm. is supposed to actually give that support. Mm. And it becomes quite confusing for business owners Mm. about what are they supposed to do. So we're not actually allowed on one hand to push too hard Mm. about people's personal lives, right? We're absolutely not allowed to ask people too many questions about their mental health because that's prying, Mm. And then suddenly there can be a thing about, well, my mental health isn't good. So it's really a double-edged sword for a yeah. lot of business owners. Yeah. It's quite something to navigate. And with there being so much a focus on it, it's quite challenging. Yeah.
1: I never thought of it that way, but it does make sense, obviously being a small business owner myself as well,
0: knowing what to do, what yeah. to say, when to intervene. Yeah. So, I mean, you can send everyone to Mates in Construction. Mm. But what for and when and how? There is a lot of chat about it, not a lot of actual assistance to business owners yeah. about how do you start training your staff. So we do a lot of work with people with mental health issues and we're really proud of it, but we have systems in place. Mm. Whether they're the right systems, who knows, mm. but there's are systems that we've developed along with Disability Agency mm. um, about those particular people. They're not. Systems for our general staff. Mm. It really is on an ad hoc basis because what are you supposed to? We've had, we had people after um, COVID. We had at least three of our staff have nervous breakdowns, mm. mainly because no one knew what was going to come next. Yeah, and most of our staff, in fact, all of our staff, kept working through COVID. Mm. But it was just this overwhelming sense of what's going to happen next. Yeah. like is it going to keep going? Is it not going to keep going? And there just was this continuous sense of, are we going to get shut down? Aren't we going to get shut down? Is this going to go on forever? And everyone kept saying, we're never going back to normal. Mm. And I think that's what set up this whole thing. But how am I supposed to manage that as a yeah. as a business owner? Because you're probably feeling, and the hard part is a lot of business owners
1: are feeling the same feelings, mm. you know, that lack of certainty. It's like, well, I can't give you that certainty because I don't yeah. know
0: what's going to happen. Absolutely. And and we opened the day after the first case was found in Australia, not that they advertised it then, it's just retrospectively. Mm. We took over the business the day after the first case was found in Australia. So these are the things that business owners go through that I think lots and lots of people who look at opening their own business don't realise. And then they go, well, why do you get all the profits? Well, because very often there aren't any profits because you've pushed it all back into trying to work out how to navigate something that may or may not actually Mm. become an issue for you. So Mm. we actually took up mentoring at the beginning of this year, Mm. simply because we hadn't hit the ceiling of what Carly and I knew, but we figured we were getting really close to the business maxing out. How do I explain this properly? So we'd seen over the years a number of people with, say, a $12 to $15 million business like ours, Mm. and what they would do is they wouldn't be able to push past that, Mm. and so what... Two of those business owners would merge Mm. and they would figure that that would lead them to a $30, $40, $50 million business. Mm. And it wouldn't. They would just contract back to maybe a $20 million business because they both had the same skill set. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No new knowledge had come. No. It's just same old, same old. And so we thought, well, we both know what we know. Yeah. And so maybe we should get some mentoring to try and push past some of the stuff because Mm. when you don't have a boss Mm. and you don't have an external opinion coming in saying, okay, so have you pushed past this? Mm. Have you considered this? I can bring in this. Mm. It becomes really difficult as a business owner. So we took on mentoring just to be able to say, okay, this is something that's coming into the business now. This is a focus that's coming in. And so that was something that we invested in this year.
1: Yeah. And it's been really helpful. That's good. And I'm glad you touched on that because... I wanted to talk to you about the mentors you've had in your life as well. So as well as having the professional ones, which I also have a business coach and it's extremely valuable because it gives you a different perspective. Yeah. And I did it quickly because I had studied coaching and I knew the value of it, but it just gives you that different lens over things. I find it amazing how, you know, just someone seeing something a different way yep. can give you a different perspective it as gives well. It accountability too. It, it does give you accountability. <laughs> That's an unfortunate part of it. Um, no, it's good. So tell us about some of the mentors in your life because you even spoke before, you don't do it alone. You know, you need to be able to reach out and ask for help and ask your dad how to do a math question or, yep. you know, all
0: of that sort of stuff. Tell us about your mentors. So, This makes Carly and I laugh because one of our biggest mentors, and we don't like it. We don't like it. So we'll say to all of our staff who've worked with us over years, we always said if we had our own business, there'd be a whole lot of stuff we wouldn't do and some stuff that we would absolutely implement. Now, some stuff, absolutely, we've Mm. done. Other stuff we've realised, you can't. It's just the way it has to be because Mm. otherwise the business collapses in on itself. Yeah. That's been some of it. So one of the mentors is one of my old bosses. And I don't like it because I don't like him, but it just is what it is. <laughs> and that's worth saying because I mean I always say there's always something to be learned from every conversation with someone. Sometimes mm. you learn what not to do. Sometimes you learn what to do. Sometimes you just learn that there's a different way to do it. Mm. But this guy, and I'm not blaming him because always his head get even bigger. <laughs> <sighs> but this guy had the right idea, the wrong delivery. Mm. Yeah? It's not that he was wrong, it's just that he never, ever, ever had the right way to actually deliver it to you. So he was the guy that told me about, you got to know the numbers. As Mm. a salesperson, you have to know the numbers. If you don't know the numbers, Mm. you can't possibly know what you're selling and how it is. And then I would go through to other businesses afterwards and I'd say, hey, so how did you get to these numbers? And I Mm. can remember being with one of my, the next business owners, and he was like, um okay, so we're selling it for this price. Have you done the numbers? And he said, oh, don't worry about it. And I said, well, I'm about to sell it for this, but have you done the numbers? Are you sure you're happy with that profit margin? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went and sold it for that. I actually did the numbers, and it's actually at a loss. And I said, well, dude, you have to do the numbers. Mm. And then I went to another position, and I was like, have you done the numbers? And then the new pay scale came out, and I said, I need the new numbers. And they went, oh, don't worry about it. Just like at 3%. Like, that's not how that works.
2: Mm.
0: I have to know the numbers because that's how I work out my margins. Mm. We actually have to do the numbers. And they were just like, yeah, but And I'm going, no, no, because there's work cover and there's this and mm. there's that mm. and there's the other. The number of people in business who do not do the numbers mm. is frightening. Yeah. So the number of times that I've spoken to someone and the, and when I've said, I don't know how you managed to do that, and they've gone, oh, it was an error. You know, when I did it, I actually, it was at 20-cent margin. Wow. Because it was supposed to be at $2, and I did it by mistake, and then we just continued on with the contract at 20-cent margin. Sometimes if you look at it and you go, I don't know how they did it for that, it's because they didn't mean to or they just didn't realise and they haven't done the numbers. This is the guy that taught me. You have to know where your numbers are, and that's really, really important. You have to know. And I know when someone hasn't done them because they look like I look when someone says, "Have you done the home budget?"
2: Because
0: mm. mm. I don't like doing the home budget, <laughs> and I won't do it, <laughs> and I don't do it, so I don't know my numbers for home. And I just go, "You're yeah, not." Nah. That's how. So I do it at work. Don't do it at home. Oh, I can relate. I do the same thing. I hate doing the home budget, but yep. I'm happy to do it at work. Absolutely. I
1: feel like maybe you get tapped out during the week because you're thinking of it all week, and then the weekend you're like, "I just don't want to think." You know what? I don't I'll wing it. It's want to manage be another
0: budget. <laughs> yeah. So I, everyone has a budget for Christmas, mm. and I always blow it. I don't even I don't even wanna know and I could spreadsheet it <laughs> like Carly does spreadsheets, she's the spreadsheet queen and if she wants to make me cry, I go around to see her. She'll go, come here and look. <laughs> and she has like four screens going and they all have excel on them and i just go it's just that's just horrifying i just don't want to know about that that's yeah. awful but we always know what the numbers are yeah and that's how we operate I love it, that. the number of people who don't who just don't know what the numbers are in their business and it's like man you cannot work this thing mm. without knowing what your numbers are mm, you absolutely. have to know yeah. you have to know if this is making a profit or not but they don't especially if you're a woman and this sounds really bad but if you're a woman men are hardwired to help are absolutely hardwired to help, so mm. ask. Yeah. If you want to know, ask a man Yeah, because they are hardwired to say, okay, sit down, let me go through how this works. Yeah. And they're not being patronising. They are just trying to help. Yeah. So just sit there and listen. And- ask for help. Yeah, yeah. It's an important skill to ask for help. A lot of people don't do it. They try to figure it out themselves, but why would you wait and figure it out yourself if there's someone that's already done it that knows how to do yeah. it, they can help you. So I'm the laziest person in the room. <clears throat> if you want to know how to do something, ask the laziest person in the room. Mm. Right? And that's me. And my answer is ask someone else. Ask someone who's really good at it and has done it for years. Don't yeah. don't reinvent the wheel. Mm. So, I mean, almost anyone can be a mentor. Mm. Just give someone a go at, at finding out. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, my dad was a really good mentor. He's been in corporate for a long, long time mm. and I've never mm. I shy away from corporate. <laughs> my old boss was a really good mentor because he's had a lot of businesses. Sean is really good for asking about, okay, I think I'm going on the wrong path here. What do you reckon? He's really honest, but kind. He does say it in a kind way. He is kind. Unlike most.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sean
0: Sean Donald. Sean Donald. Donald. GM of Giorgio. Yeah. (laughs) All around good guy. (laughs) Very bad with small dogs. Horse whisperer. (laughs) Yeah, but bad with small dogs. Mm. (laughs) Yes, Sean. Uh, (laughs) uh, Who else? There are so many, Mm. and they all drop in and out. That's the other thing. They drop in and out. You'll suddenly go, I need to know about that, and then.
1: You can call on them. Yeah. So in terms of you've talked about mentoring and you have four children as well. As a parent, you are mentoring. So if you're looking at some of the values you want to have or see in your children, I think the great thing about having a business, you get exposure to different personalities, different people, different versions of success. What are the values that you, knowing everything you know now, want to instill in your children that you think are important?
0: And be good, strong people. Yeah. 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 That doesn't mean be a Pollyanna, but be good, strong people. And if you're having issues, then talk about it. No one's going to have strong mental health. If you're having issues with your mental health, speak up, talk about it. Everyone does. Mm. Everyone does. Yes. Anyone who doesn't is really drinking a lot <laughs> should stop <laughs> drinking that much. I can't carry that many people home. Uh, (laughs) But you know what I mean? Especially if you're young, you are by default insecure. Mm. And it amazes me how many young people go, but she's got it together, look at her. And they're just looking at the outside and it's like, okay, from a girl's perspective, having a really good set of foils Mm. does not make you confident. (laughs) (laughs) Sweetie, that's not it. That's so (laughs) not it. Good set of foils and a nice pair of jeans does not give you confidence. It makes you look confident from about 50 foot. Yeah. But the closer you get, I can look at one of those girls, I can look at one of those girls sideways and watch her crumble. Not intentionally, just because I'm going, wow, that's nice, and I can watch it go. Mm. So no one is confident in their 20s, 30s, a little bit. It's like develop your own internal strength, and that comes from knowing where you're at. Mm. That comes from having your own sense of self. Mm. And that honestly takes time. Mm. It will get rocked by a bad breakup, by your best friend feeling bad. It'll get rocked by being fired. Everyone gets fired. I've been fired. I've been fired three or four times. I've been threatened to be fired a million times. I wouldn't employ me. I'm difficult. I am. I'm I'm a difficult person to employ. I'm good at my job, but I'm not the easiest employee. I love you know.
1: that. <laughs> I love that. You know yourself, though. I it's do. It's really nice. I,
0: and now and now at 50, I so wouldn't employ me. Uh, probably in a sweet shop. <laughs> I could work at TK Maxx because I'd give all my money back. But, you know, man, I wouldn't employ. <laughs> but it's about being a good person, a solid person, knowing yourself and understanding what you want out of life and not getting led around. Yeah? That's part of them learning as well. Mm. I mean, you've got to watch your kids make some really horrible mistakes mm. and just go, okay, is that as bad as the ones I made? And it's Mm. like, you're not even, I remember saying to my kids at one stage, this is when the three of them were sort of teens. You guys aren't even trying. You three as teenagers aren't even adding up to one of me. (laughs) Like, seriously? Like, (laughs) "Mm. you could do better. (laughs) And they were like,
2: and
0: I was like, well, seriously, like, okay, I know you all think you're trying hard at being teens, but you haven't even hit your stride yet. Kids have to be allowed to stretch their wings. If you have a kid at 18, 19, 20, that is absolutely doing every single thing right. Like, I mean, the room's clean and tidy. The marks are absolutely there. They've gone on to uni. Everything is absolutely You had right. me at room. <laughs> yeah. They're either a serial killer or the 40-year-old, like, nervous breakdown by a Ferrari dates someone who's 20 years younger than them is going to be so stratospheric. You're just going to lose your mind. Like, the kids have to be kids.
2: yeah.
1: They have
0: to explore. They have to experiment. Let them have green hair. Yeah. It is ghastly, let me tell you. (laughs) I much (laughs) prefer pink and orange. (laughs) That's awesome. That's
1: awesome. No, I love that, and I think it's good for parents to hear that because you need to let your kids fail at things, learn
0: things, learn like we did. Yeah, and they have to get fired from at least one job. They really do. It's such a good learning curve for them. (laughs) Life is long, right? Life is really, really long. So let them get fired. Don't jump in and say it wasn't fair. Okay, it probably wasn't. Let them have a bad boss, like not a horrific boss, but a bad boss. Like so if they're 17 and they've got a job and they've got a 19-year-old who's their shift boss, their 19-year-old shift boss is going to be crud. Mm. There's no way because they don't have any management skills. They have Mm. no ability to manage a person. Mm. They can't manage themselves. They're 19. Mm. Let it happen Mm. because... Obviously, it's going to be bad, but it's how people learn. They don't learn through great, good, wonderful, sweet things. No one learns through good. Mm. They only learn through bad. So the 19-year-old shift manager who calls them up with 10 minutes notice and then loses their mind because they apparently are not standing outside the shop waiting to just start a shift early, it's not the worst thing in the world. Mm. I'm not talking about letting them, like, really drop into really bad situations, but actually learning how to manage A boss who's unrealistic in their expectations is not the worst thing in the world.
1: It's an important skill.
0: Yeah. Because you've got to come across
1: it. Mm. The final question before the rocket round, what's the legacy you want to leave in the world? Too young.
0: I'm not thinking about legacy. (laughs) That's a man thing. uh, It's a man thing. (laughs) Really? Yeah. So my life partner has always gone on about legacy. You don't have a
1: a legacy that you want to leave. Nah, That's a man thing. impact that you want to have?
0: It's a man thing. (laughs) Men start thinking about their legacy five minutes after they have their business. Or a purpose? (laughs) 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 Still, I'm still doing things. I'm still exploring. Yeah. yeah. So because I don't view my businesses as this purpose-driven,
1: yeah, I can tell that, yeah. So
0: the business is not something that I think of as as this wondrous thing that I've invested all of my everything into. Mm. That's not it. The work that we do with bringing people with mental health into the workforce. That's something I'm really, really proud of. Would I like to continue it on? Absolutely. Do I think it's my legacy? No. But I think it's important it's, to you. It's really, really important to me. What would I like my legacy to be?
1: No. Tell me more about what you do
0: with bringing people into the workforce. Like, well, let's not use the word legacy. No. Something that is important to you. It's really important <laughs> to me. It's really important to Carly and I. We started working with one disability agency and Stuff goes in waves and fads, yes. especially in construction. So yeah. someone will find something and suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this, and all of the funding goes to it. So, it, But it's really hard. Like no one wants disabled people on their sites, right? Mm. Because productivity can mm. absolutely go down. Let's put our cards on the table. Productivity goes down, ability to function and do work goes down. So, okay, that's fair enough. So this guy came to me. He works with people with disabilities and it was a specific project manager of theirs and we actually sat down and had a chat to him and I said right okay I'm not interested in training people who are already disabled who I will then train and then they'll never actually work because they're already sitting there feeling pretty crap about their lives Mm. and then to take the training dollars which then means they can't train for something else that maybe they could get a job in if they do one set of training, it stops them from being able to do another set of training yeah? okay. For, okay. for a year. Yeah. So let's not do that. So I want to pre-screen them. And then if I pre-screen them and they do the training and mm. our training takes 20 hours on the road, mm. I want to say to them at that point it could be up to 40 mm. for them and us to be comfortable to get them their licence. But if they do the training, they do the up to 40 hours and they get their licence, that I'll guarantee them a job. Okay. So we did that. So we did the pre-screening. Mm-hmm. I've been working with this guy for over five years.
2: Mm.
0: And now I don't have to. So he went and got his traffic control tickets so that sometimes he could stand on the road with them oh. to understand what it was about. Now he pre-screens for me yeah, because he's got his head around what we need. Mm. Some of my best TCs. Mm. So no one would know mm. that we're particularly fond of people with autism, mm. ADHD, and anxiety, mm. which is really amazing because traffic control is considered to be one of the most stressful jobs you can have, Mm. but we, my team, so that's not we, sorry, my ops team work really, really well with people with anxiety and we've had really brilliant results.
2: Mm.
0: But it's a very specific thing. This is not the way that normal disability agencies work Mm. and it's not the way that normal businesses work. They don't come up with a different system for it.
2: Mm.
0: They don't put different parameters around it. It's only a smaller business that could do this.
1: But it shows you, in terms of diversity, diversity isn't just women and men.
0: No. Diversity
1: is so much bigger than that. And that's why I wanted you to talk about it because this here, yeah, okay, it might be harder for bigger businesses to do, but small businesses can look at it
0: and can create a program or a pathway that works. And that's why I was saying before this to you, diversity is really important. The right person in the right position for diversity is really important. So our business hovers around more than 50% women. Mm. So as far as women in construction, we're doing really well. Yes. And traffic control traditionally is sits around 50-50. Yeah. So that okay. we're all good with that. As far as diversity, you need to have the right person in the right role. Yes. So if you can find the right role for them and identify it and push real hard for those people, diversity is a fantastic thing. Mm. Like I say, I can, I can take on a lot of people and they, they are really, really fantastic. And if I could have more, I would because... It works so well, mm. so well. Again, we're really, really pushing for, as an industry, to look at making traffic control a skilled a skilled labour mm-hmm. and being able to give people a visa to come to Australia. Mm. One of the issues that we have is that there's a lot of communication over a two-way radio. Yeah. It means that accents are a problem. Mm. So I always like to focus on the Irish,
2: mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mainly because it gets me in less trouble. But it's really, really hard so, mm. and it's a safety thing, yeah, okay. right, because we're yeah. trying to put the last car through and are we safe to send? Yes. And it becomes really, really difficult yeah. with accents over yeah. two-way radio. But people from the Philippines are all brought up with an, an American accent and they're really easy to understand over the radio. So right fit for the right person. It's not diversity is not about what people think it is. And so when I go and talk to people about, hey, Would you take on this person? My concern is never anything other than if I can understand them on the radio, absolutely.
2: Mm.
0: So they're quite often, like I said to you, if you go into a car yard, Mm. everyone thinks that it's this and it might not be. It might just be that they're on the phone. My diversity issues are not what people think they are. My diversity issues are can they be understood on the radio? Mm. Because we're short 8,000 people in Mm. southeast Queensland. Mm. We will take... Almost anyone, but they have to be understood on the radio. Yeah. We need 8,000. Yeah, yeah. Right wow. now, I could take another 50 people today. Wow. Without even blinking. Yeah. And that would just mean that my current clients would stop having issues with supply on certain days. Mm. Huge. And you're not the only one no. experiencing the skills shortage. Absolutely not. I know. I
1: firsthand, mm-hmm. that you're definitely not. So yeah. it's really insightful to share I really like the the program that you're doing because it is different. It is very good to make sure that you're still looking, as important as it is with looking at diversity and other initiatives, that you are getting the right person in the right role.
0: Right person. For for them as well. Uh, Yeah, then they can shine. Don't get somebody who already feels like they're behind the eight ball to train for something that you know you're never going to give them a job in. That's mean, just mean. Getting someone in and saying, oh, yeah, mate, take these training dollars, we'll get you trained in this thing and then having them sit at home is just unkind. Mm. Instead of saying, not the right fit for this job, keep looking. Because Mm. the employment agencies should, should be, if they're doing their job, keeping on looking for something else. Mm. Let's get the people who actually can do the job I need them to do
2: Mm.
0: and getting them the training and getting them on the road because they actually really like it. Once you start getting people who have employment issues Mm. and really getting them back on track so... Mm into flats, having cars, doing all the stuff that they've been told for years they'll never have, having independence, moving up the ranks. One of my favourite TCs of all time, trained with us, was told he would never have a job, was never going to happen for him. This was not his path. He was just going to be on the disabled pension forever Mm. had a number of mental health issues. And we got him trained up, loveliest guy you've ever met, had a couple of issues on site with medication going out, So loved by every client we ever went to, client rang me and said, we've moved his location, we need him swapped out, but he's good to come back whenever everything's sorted. Came in and saw me. We changed up everything. We got my guy from his employment agency to go and advocate with him, Mm. and everything got sorted. Anyway, he came back to me about a year later, went back to work after two weeks, got his medication changed, everything was fine, client welcomed him back with open arms. Mm. But a year later he came back to me and I said, look, I've always wanted to be an advocate for Indigenous kids like me who have problems
2: mm.
0: and there's a course that I could do. Can I go to part-time so I can do this course? So I said, of course, we'll support you in whatever we can do. We'll give you weekend work so that your money doesn't go down too much, blah, blah, blah. Did the course halfway through. They said, look, there's a job we'd like you to go for. Now he's doing his dream job. So he went from four years ago, mm. you'll never work, mm. ever, to he's doing his dream job now.
1: That's a legacy. I'm just saying you're creating a bit of a... No, but but I know what you mean. That's impactful. Yeah. That's
0: amazing. And now he goes and he talks to other Indigenous kids and says, listen, you can have schizophrenia, you can have mental health, you can have a really bad childhood, but there is help out there. And this is, I think, the really nice thing. There are systems, there are places, there are government agencies, there are businesses that will pick you up and move you forward.
2: Mm.
0: And the nice bit about that is I'm part of that story. Mm. So is the employment agency. And so all of us are Mm. part of that story in that he says, not everything that you hear, not everything that you've experienced so far that has let you down will keep letting you down. All you have to do is find the right guy at the right employment agency and he will push you. He's got contacts. Mm. Because when he went to see this guy, he said, "I've done this before, and it's awful." And he said, "No, no, no. I've got a business I can put you in, and they'll take care of you." And that was us.
2: Mm. And that
0: was really, and he was really nervous. Yeah. And he said, "No, nah, these people. It'll be different." Got me tearing up now. Uh, me too. We're both tearing up. It always, it really? always makes me tear up talking about him. But you know, it's a beautiful it's, story. Not every business can do it. Mm. I'm not saying every business should do it or every business can do it. But if you can do that just a little bit, and I'm not saying it's easy because, good grief. It's a lot of work on my office stuff. Mm. But if you can, you should look at it because the guys that that I do work for don't even know. Mm. All I know is that they're always the ones that get asked back
2: Mm.
0: because they're so grateful to have the job. They're so delighted to actually be doing their thing. Even when it does go a bit pear-shaped, the guys on the ground just go, it's okay, it's fine, just swap them out. Send him back again next week. It'll mm. be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Because they're so delightful. Mm. It doesn't impact your business. It doesn't impact how this goes. Give it a go. Try it. Try going for diversity. I love it. I love it. But it's got to be the right fit. Oh, 100%. So, so invest that time. Invest that time in actually talking to someone and saying, okay, what will actually work with my business? Because mm. not anything will work. No. Right person, right mm. fit. Yep. Yeah. So I went on a bit then. Sorry. No,
1: I love it. And I love that you're so passionate about it because I think it's just, it's great for people to hear what you're doing because people hear it and then they think about it and they think maybe I could do that with my own business. Yeah. And to me, when I talk about a legacy or leaving an impact, just making people's lives that little bit better. Like if you can do that, which you have done, you haven't just made that person's life better, but then he's going out and going out and talking to more people and making their lives better. It's like a ripple effect. Yeah. And it's just, I love it. Rocket
0: Round. so that's Okay. okay. Rocket Round. So, um, favorite book? Anything by Mary Wesley. By who? <laughs> Mary Wesley. So, she's nuts. Well, she was nuts. She's passed away now. So, she got first published when she was in her 80s. Okay. She's a nuts English author. Okay. She writes about novels between the wars. Okay. All of her main characters are usually women. She wrote one where it's a group of people, and they're fatally flawed, and they're really amazing books. Now I want to read. Try them. part of the furniture first. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Favorite holiday destination? Uh, road
1: trips. Road trips. Nice. Road trips. Love a road trip. Cats or dogs? Both. They ah. do different things. Yeah. Okay. Coffee or wine? Coffee. <laughs> coffee. 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 Coffee gets you started. A day. Coffee. And
0: finished. And in the middle of the day. <laughs> White Christmas or summer Christmas? White Christmas for a change, but I do love being warm. Yeah. Until it's over 33 degrees, I don't sweat. Oh, wow. (laughs) Magic. Jealous. And what podcast are you listening to at the moment? Freakonomics. Freakonomics. What's that about? That's a journalist and an economics geek. Yeah. They wrote a couple of books years ago. Yeah. And they they work out the economics of almost anything and they're nuts. Oh, cool. So my favourite one was they worked out like how a name moves from being Upper class all the way down, and how long it takes. Stop. They also worked out whether how much money as a drug dealer in America you actually earn and why they always have to live with their mums when they come out of prison. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you can work out almost anything with economics. That
1: would make sense.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And what makes you feel like you're home? Art on the walls, bathtub, candles. But I don't like burning them anymore. I just like having them. I just have this like, hoardish stash of candles. That you don't burn? Well, just because I forget, but I have like a lot of candles. (laughs) That's hilarious. I (laughs) know. I'm really, on the Christmas holidays, I'm just going to have to burn them all. I may actually just get a whole like dining room. Everyone's going to come at Christmas and your house is going to be filled with candles burning. It used to be my go-to for the kids was what do you want for your birthday or Christmas, a candle, (laughs) and now I have so many and they're really uptight at me because I've gone, I can't have candles anymore. And they're like, well, what do we get you? And I'm like, I don't know. What's your favourite brand of candle? Soam is really good. Okay. They I like Glasshouse. To- Glasshouse is really lovely, but sometimes I find their fragrance is really intense. But try the Soam ones. There's one called Lavender Grass, and Lavender, I get migraines, mm. but Lavender normally gives me a migraine. There's a really. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm. I've talked me out with some candles. Mm.
1: Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I loved all the insights that you shared. I knew I would. You gave even more value than I expected, you know? <laughs> you over-delivered. That was so <laughs> lovely and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about some of the programs you're doing or what's the best way for them to connect?
0: If you go onto our website, which is www.trafficqld.com.au, mm. there is a button there mm. for We Are Hiring. Mm-hmm. If you click on that. So if you want to use this for traffic control, there's one about we're interested in traffic control. But there's one for Do we you hear are that hiring. civil clients. <laughs> yeah. But there's one for we are hiring. If you click on that and you just leave a message saying, Hey, I heard the podcast. I'm interested in who you use for your diversity hires mm. or anything like that. Any other question, say I, I heard Sasha on the podcast and this is my question, that'll get through to our HR team and they'll pass anything on to me and I'll help.
1: Thank you. No no worries. Thank you so much, Sasha. That's my pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to Building
1: Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.